Hello, Next Explorers. Welcome to episode five of the first season of the Next Explorers podcast. So glad you're here. My name is Jordan, and Next Explorers is all about getting in touch with some men and women from around the world, some visionary people, some leaders, some thinkers, some creatives, and just ask them uh, what they see coming on the horizon. I'm totally inspired by vision, and maybe you are too. I'm hoping that as we get to know some amazing visionary people, that we may leave feeling equipped to pursue the life that's been put before us. And my guest today is missionary Scott Hansen. Uh, I had the privilege when I was about 19 to go visit Scott in Tanzania and see what they were doing there. It was an incredible trip. He's going to talk a little bit about that. He's got some funny stories. Uh, He's got a unique perspective, I think, on how we should look at missionaries and what it's like to actually be one. He's going to encourage you. uh, He's going to challenge you. And uh, as I know, he did for me. So grab a journal, grab a pen, do what you need to do. This is going to be a great episode. I hope you're ready. Welcome to the next Explorers. All right. Well, I have the privilege of being here with, um, I'm so blessed to say, a friend, uh, Pastor Scott Hansen, missionary. Uh, and so really, it's just, uh, it's great to have you on. It's great to be here. How it's been long? a long time since our uh, our trip yeah. together in Africa. It's true. So I must have been 19, I think, in Tanzania. And what I tell people most about that trip is I was the lowest on the totem pole as far as all the boys that were on like that building trip. I had no skills. I remember, I remember, I don't know if you remember this because obviously we just met that time, but we rolled up into, I believe we built like a dorm for teachers. I think that's mm-hmm. what we were doing. And I rolled up and I remember this is a building trip. All those guys from multiple churches were all contractors, right? And me yeah. and my buddy Robert, yeah. we were just 19, 18 years old. And so I remember there being like hundreds of cinder blocks, just <laughs> hundreds of cinder blocks and someone going, yeah, that's you. <laughs> And by okay. the way, each one of them weighs 50 to 60 pounds. Yeah, so <laughs> that was awesome. But uh, but that's probably not new to you because I want to hear, like, give us the backstory about you. This You're a missionary kid, correct? Yeah. And then now a missionary. So can we get a abbreviated version of the, of the Hanson clan story? And- yeah, absolutely. Um, so 1976, I was six years old and my mom and dad moved to Ethiopia to be missionaries there um, out of Northern California. My dad was a mathematics professor, felt like God was calling him into missions. Both he and my mom had had a call for years and um, the Lord opened the door in Ethiopia. Interestingly enough, it was about an eight month stint in Ethiopia. And when they went before the committee to apply to be missionaries, they said, look, the only place on the continent that fits your your giftings and your educational background, because he wasn't a pastor, wasn't ordained, never been to Bible school, but was a teacher, had an administrative background and master's of administration. They said, we need an administrator in a school in Ethiopia. So the Lord opened that door, but that was right during the time of civil war. So we were there eight months and then they started kicking Americans out and we were on the list, but got kicked out and moved up to Kenya and, um, from then on, my parents spent almost 40 years on the continent. But it's always interesting how the trajectory and the path that the Lord takes us on to get us where he's going wow. um, is very rarely straight. It's yeah. almost always has waypoints along the way. And I think sometimes it's easy to get mixed up and to think that, 
the waypoint is actually the end point when really God's getting you, getting you to where he wants you to be, but he's getting you on the path he wants you to go. Yeah. No, so no. our path, our path took us to Ethiopia. I spent a short time there and then grew up in Kenya and Tanzania all through elementary school, high school, went to boarding school when I was uh, in sixth grade, loved going to boarding school, both my brother and I. Uh, met my future wife there. We started dating. Her name was Karen, Karen Davis at the time. She's also obviously a missionary kid. And um, in fact, she's a fourth generation missionary. So her great, her great grandfather came to Kenya in 1911. Amazing. Ever since then, they've had missionary family on the, especially in Kenya, but in different parts of the world as well. And so, yeah, it's been a part of our blood. Yeah. Um, your brother after, too, your brother too, correct? Yep. My brother is a missionary in uh, Nairobi, Kenya. My brother-in-law is a missionary teacher in Kenya. And then my sister-in-law actually lives in South Africa. And wow. so and there was one point in time where we had no, none of our nuclear family actually lived in America. We yeah. all lived in Africa. Yeah. So home is Africa for yeah, sure. No doubt. That's true. Now, well, I mean, like uh, the one of the cool parts about that trip that I was on with you was your dad was with us. Yeah. And everybody seemed to know who your dad was except me. So, you know, it's like, oh, Ron Hansen, this because you guys, you and your dad and these guys from our church at the time, you had a history. This wasn't the first trip for you yeah. guys, but it was for us. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be straight with you. Your dad scared me to death with some of his stories. <laughs> I didn't find them. I thought they were great stories in the daytime. But then I was laying my head down to sleep at night like I could not stop thinking. And one in particular, this is, this is so true, which also I, I think he's probably one of the funniest, funniest guys I've, I've ever met. But he was saying we were on the we were driving. He was talking about, well, hey, you know, Jordan, you want to make sure, you know, you tell somebody if you see a Jaguar. And I was like, OK, you know, like I, I'm sure we're not going to see a Jaguar. Right. You know, he's like, well, I don't know, like. I was on a safari once and he, I, I'll mess up the story, but in, in, he basically said he was on safari with someone and the guide saw a leopard or something or a jaguar, sorry, or one of the two. Leopard. Leopard. And then he said, you know, what, could I shoot this thing from here? Like, would that, would that happen? And the guy told him like, before you could fire your, ne- your next shot, we would all be dead. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I want to go home. <laughs> because because then we rolled up into that you know that place we're going to build a dorm and there's it was just that and jungle and and things and oh man i i enjoyed the company of of your family you know so as you're as you're growing up in basically ethiopia and kenya and then eventually tanzania you live there like is the assumption was the assumption from your parents like were missionaries. And so did they raise you to be a missionary or, you know, were were you just growing up in a different context and God spoke to you? I'm sure it's a little bit of both, but like, I guess the question to ask is, did you always know you're going to be a missionary? Like when was it clear for you, you know, oh, wow, this isn't, this isn't just my, my father and my mom. This is actually, this is something that's for me as well. Yeah. It's a great question. My, uh, my parents were very careful not to put expectations on me as to what they wanted, what God wanted for my life and the path that he wanted me to walk on. And so I never felt any pressure from my parents, like, Oh, you've got to be a missionary where, you know, there's a dynasty going on um, where you follow, you just follow each other's 
uh, footsteps. No, they wanted me to follow God and wherever God laid, led me, that's where they wanted me to be. And in fact, initially, I, I thought about going back to Africa to teach um, in a school. I didn't really think about going back and being like a, a career missionary working with churches, doing church planting and the kind of stuff that we've been involved with. That kind of developed slowly. Um, and actually, funny enough, uh, I went to Bethany at Bethany at the time it was Bethany Bible College. Yeah, and, for me, it um, was Bethany University. But there you go. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> that school that is no more. Uh-huh. Um, Rest in peace. Exactly. Uh, yeah. And while I was there, you know, the first day I looked around and I had signed up for the education major. My brother was the church leadership. Yeah. And I looked around and I was like, Man, I don't know anybody here. I'm just going to go join my brother. And then I'll just pop back over after the first couple of years when I have more friends and I know what's going on. Well, the Lord just, it was just like one step at a time. The Lord yeah. led me to um, stay in church leadership. And then we did an internship at the end of our um, time at Bethany, my yeah. wife and I got married in Africa. We did a four month internship while we were there. We visited a people group that had no access to Jesus and the Lord just really grasped our heart mm-hmm. for those people. And in general, for people who don't have an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And it was one of those moments where, okay, I know this is the chart. This is the path that the Lord has charted out for us. And um, it was just a confirmation that we, it was the right direction um, definitely just since the Lord speaking to us. That's so great. I mean, and it's got to be the Lord if you meet the love of your life and she's like, well, you know, I want to be a missionary to Africa. So, you know, if you don't, that, that's got to be, that's got to be special. And I think we should just say you just, you just had a, I'm sure you always dreamed that the time that your eldest daughter would get married, that it would be live streamed on Facebook. And uh, <laughs> that was always the plan, I'm sure. But you just, I know you just told me, but I want to hear it again. Like, tell me about the outside wedding and all that thing. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, of course, it's 2020 and flex, you know, something's going to happen. Sure enough, we were going to do an outside wedding. We spent the whole afternoon setting it up. Everything was looking good. And then, uh-huh. you know, we started watching the storm clouds start to build. And, but, you know, the, the radar kept showing it blowing past us, maybe get a little bit of spitting rain on the edge. No, the wind mm-hmm. changed 10 minutes before the wedding started. The ceremony started downpour. So we had guys running outside. They went and they got the arch, which, you know, we had Ethiopian crosses on from our heritage. And, oh, and all the chairs were set up outside, guys. I mean, they were soaked. And and we made the shift. And I started, I think, 15 minutes late or something like that. But, um, yeah, it was it was an adventure. It was, a, it was a wedding to remember. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, well, I tuned in. I tuned in and I saw you walking down the aisle and I was like, oh, this is awesome. I forgot. Like, Yes, this is going to be so great. Oh, that that's wonderful. So when we first came missionaries, this is kind of funny. It's just kind of reminiscing yeah. back. I mean, we went to this little town called Mbulu where there was no electricity. We would get water into a tank, and then we would have to hand pump it into the tank in the top of our roof. And um, for the telephone, we would go to the post office, and they had a crank phone that you had to crank. And then the operator would say, yeah, who do you want to call? And you say, I want to call Nairobi, this number. And they would say, go sit down outside. And then they'd call you back up and say, okay, you can talk to your number now. And then you'd be talking and partway through the conversation, they'd say, hey, there are other people waiting. You need to get off the line. And you think of, I mean, that's not that many years ago. Right. And and yet the difference to now, live streaming a video on Facebook, the technology has made a lot of 
interesting changes to life. Yeah, there's a solid chance that somebody eventually listening to this podcast is going to hear you say the words crank phone and not have any idea what you're talking about. I was sharing a story with my kids just this morning at the breakfast table, and I had said um, a phone booth. Uh-huh. I was like, it, it was at this phone booth. No idea what I was talking about whatsoever. <laughs> my kids are nine and eight and four, but they were, I realized, oh, okay, a phone booth. And then you have to explain it, you know, and you're uh-huh. like, and it doesn't make any sense. Uh, yeah. It was this, it was, or these random boxes in your neighborhood <laughs> where you could go inside and close the glass, but all the, it's, everybody can see you and you use a phone that you pay for. I mean, that sounds like the like, weirdest thing ever, doesn't like it? Like whatever. Okay, dad. <laughs> yeah. Well, it is true. In 2020, when things happen now, you just got to go, well, it's 2020. So yeah, that's it. it. Well, that's wonderful. And I'm sure I'm imagining 2020 has had some sort of effect on missions, you know, and, and, and for me, even just thinking about the call hasn't changed and, and the goal hasn't changed to see people come to know Christ, but surely the method and some of our plans, I mean, have, have to have shifted. Uh, and I want to ask about those in, in a little bit, but I was going to ask you too, you know, now that you've been, how long have you been a missionary, Pastor Scott? Since 19, we were approved in 1993. Okay. So I'm sure you had it all figured out in 1993, but any, just by chance that <laughs> you didn't, you know, what are some of the misconceptions maybe you had, or maybe sometimes we, as just the general public have about missionaries and, and now that you've grown up with a missionary family and now you are your own missionary uh, with your wife and really, you know, your kids there for a season, you know, what are some of the misconceptions? What, what do you think? might need better clarity. Um, yeah, I, I think one of the misconceptions we have about missions, and I probably had this less because I grew up on the mission field, yeah. but, um, and that is the concept that missionaries are heroes. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually think we're all on a trajectory of obeying God. Yeah. And really the question is, are you saying yes to whatever God is telling you? Um, and each path that we walk has different costs to it. Right. And so I, you know, it really makes me uncomfortable when people talk about, um, about missionaries being heroes, um, (laughs) because missionaries are just people saying yes. And, um, I think that's what God calls us to do wherever, wherever we're at. And the impact that my mom and dad made in their little town in Northern California, in Rio Dell. Um, teaching in a high school. I mean, we still go back up into that area and that's been 50 years. And there are still people who talk about the impact that their, how their lives was transformed because of my parents' life. That's awesome. So, so yeah, missionaries um, aren't heroes. Um, people asked a lot about sacrifice and honestly, sacrifice to me is what I see with the people I work with, the Africans I work with, not necessarily, it's not that you don't give up things. Um, obviously, when you leave your homeland, when you, when you leave your family, those are, there are, there are costs, but um, real sacrifice. I didn't understand when you meet someone who's um, been kicked out of 14 houses in a row because they're a pastor. When you have friends who have lived on avocados for six months straight, as basically their only food because they don't have any income coming from the church. People have been beaten and their kids have been mistreated all for the sake of the gospel. It puts a different spin, a perspective on what is sacrifice. Yeah. Um, 
So now that, that doesn't mean again, that there aren't challenges, there aren't costs. Um, but how do you view those things? Um, we've really worked at our family at trying to look at life, um, as an adventure. Yeah. So when, when you get the curveballs, when the electricity goes off for the 43rd time, when, you know, you're stuck in a traffic jam of cows walking down the, the, <laughs> the center of the street in Nairobi, yeah. you know, we were like, Hey, if we wanted to do just a normal life, we, we wouldn't have come to Africa. So <laughs> I love if, that. If, if you can learn to see the challenges in life that come your way as being great um, opportunities for their, their adventures. Now, obviously there's not everything that comes your way that's hard as an adventure, but if you can, in, in general, look at things, because a lot of times what kills missionaries are, are the little things, mm, not necessarily the big things. No, it's the, it's, it's getting stopped at traffic at, uh, by police and hassled. It's, um, traffic jams where you're sitting three or four hours in a traffic jam. It's the electricity going off time after time. It's having to spend eight hours in line to get, I mean, in the old days, we would spend eight hours in line to get to your bank account. Wow. It's, it's, you know, it's the little things that, that build up over time and not one, it's not one big thing. It's the little things. And, you know, again, if you can just flip those things, it, like we had friends that when the electricity went out, they were like, yay, spore time. And they'd light a candle and they'd get marshmallows out and they would roast marshmallows. <laughs> that's beautiful. You know, that's the kind of, honestly, those little tweaks in life make a big difference. Absolutely. The other one, maybe last thought on this would be, um, there's a lot of trade-offs in life. And so as a missionary, um, if you can learn to focus on what you gain, not what you give up, I think it helps you um, in the process of embracing in a new life and a new home. Yeah. Um, Cause Everywhere you go, there's going to be something you gain. And yeah. certainly we always give up things. But what if you're consistently looking back at what you gave up, um, you really have a hard time rooting where you're at. Mm. And you'll especially notice this with your kids. Um, they're going to hear your what you say, how you how you respond to things. And so you watch missionary kids, and that will tell you something about how their parents are adapting often to, <laughs> to the society. That's true. Those are some good thoughts. I want to push on something because I think – it might be nice to hear what you think and, uh, and maybe might, might get you in a little trouble. Maybe probably not, but say, I, I think you're right. I think I've said it pastor. Like, yeah, missionaries are heroes. So when that's being said, and I'm assuming it's said most of the time, maybe in churches, you know, mm-hmm. and these people, what, why do you think, why do you think maybe that's the thing that comes out most naturally? What do you think? Is that pointing to something you know, and like, maybe we, we don't have to talk about anybody else. Just, I know, I know in the past I've said, you know what, Scott out there in Tanzania, he's the hero of the world. You know, like, what is that? Is that pointing to something in regards to our understanding of who we are and our obedience to the Lord? What do you think? You know, it's always hard to judge people's motivations. Just judge mine. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, it may be that some people would think are are trying to put on the shoes and think, man, if God called me to do that, yeah, you know, what would I be willing to say yes? Mm-hmm. Um, and yet when God calls us to something, he gives us the grace to say yes, mm-hmm. or he, he walks with us in grace when we say yes. Mm-hmm. So, so there is this moment in which we all have to say, yes, Lord, 
But then when we say yes, it's like his abundant grace comes down and walks with us in the process. Yeah. And, and um, my personal opinion is that he, that is what allows us to move through the barriers to be where God wants us to be. And so when you haven't said the yes and you haven't had that grace, maybe sometimes it looks like an insurmountable uh, or a high cost. But when you say the yes, I think that's when God's grace kicks in right. for what he's asking you to do. Yeah. Yeah. I hear that. That's good. And I, and I think that that makes sense on a lot of, on a lot of things, you know, God's God says throughout scripture to people, I'd like you to do this. And the provision, the favor, the grace kicks in after the step of obedience, after the first step of obedience. Mm-hmm. I think in, I think we would most like it to be delivered a little bit differently. Like in, we get the, all of a sudden the favor and provision come and they're like, oh, wow. And then, you know, I'd like you to do this. Like, absolutely. I'm in. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's a walk of faith. There's just no way around that. There's no way around that. And uh, yeah. yeah. How about this? You know, um, do you think, has your mindset changed or some things maybe you believed or were kind of had a philosophy about missions in the beginning? Has that changed over time? And maybe pick one that's kind of even so much, some of those things you just shared, I'm, I'm sure were learned through experience by God's grace. Like, you know what? I've gained so much. This isn't, this isn't a loss, um, uh, a story of loss. This is a story of gain. You know, I'm sure that happened over time. Are there, is there anything you used to believe about missions or go after in regards to missions that you don't anymore and it's changed for you? And, and maybe why is that? Can you think of something? Well, I don't know how um, technical you want to get with missiology, but I think my my let's, understanding. Let's, uh, let's go for it. Let's However, deep dive. Yeah, okay. Let's go. So when you when you partner with national churches, so in Africa we we are all about the indigenous church. So the indigenous church is one that is self supporting, self propagating, and self governing. So basically, what that means is we're trying to establish or partner with churches that have the ability to continue on whether or not we're in the picture. Right. So we're consistently working towards pouring into the church to develop a church that has a strong foundation. So they're planting other churches, they're leading themselves and they're supporting themselves. They're not dependent on outside finances. When you violate those principles, it's interesting to see how often that affects the foundation of the church and often affects the growth of the church, the maturity of the church. Mm-hmm. So the philosophical underpinnings are very important to that. So one of the ways that we get to that indigenous church, the indigenous church is both a goal and a method. So it's a goal in that that's the trajectory we're going towards. Mm-hmm. It's a method in which it guides how we interact, how we invest our resources, how we develop people. So another tool that we use in the process of developing a national church or an indigenous church is partnership. So there are different ways that you can look at at what is our partnership relationship with the church. So in Tanzania, what is is the Scott Hansen as a U.S. Assemblies of God missionary partnership look like with the Tanzania Assemblies of God? And I would say early on, I had what what I would term as a fusionist viewpoint. And that is that I come in as an American missionary and integrate into the church and their vision totally becomes my vision. Their leaders become my leaders. 
and and I become ingrained in that. That's a fusionist view. A more pure partnership view would say, no, I'm coming from America, from a church. I'm sent by a church. I have leadership. We have vision. We come to work with a national church that we partner with, that we don't become a part of, but we walk alongside with. Right. And we allow the strengths of each one of us to shape a shared vision that we move together. So we co-own the vision together. Hmm. There are and and it's a it's a nuance in in missiology. Um, but I learned as I grew, I think that um, that it's one of the beauties of of partnering together internationally. Yeah, is that we bring different strengths. And if we lose our identity and become absorbed into the TAG, we lose something of what we bring to the table. Mm. Whereas if we maintain um, a close partnership, a shared vision where we move together, yet recognizing that we are, we're partners. We're not one, we're partners. Um, so again, it's a bit of a nuance in missiology. But I used to tell people, new missionaries coming out, hey, you're like an associate pastor, whatever this church wants to do, we do. Now it's more, hey, we're here to partner with them. So let's talk about what are our riverbanks? What are what we do well? Let's focus on what we do well and plug in where and when, how we work together with this church. Wow. Not sure if I'm nuancing that well. No, that makes sense. I mean, I think you're talking about longevity. I think you're talking about, I mean, some of the things that stand out to me in regards to that would be just even knowing the people, I, I'm, I'm assuming that no matter how long you've lived in Africa, Tanzania, Kenya, Ethiopia, that you just being a white man from America already, there's a, there's a boundary to be jumped potentially for people. And um, if they come to your, your church, you know, and it's you up there, there's, 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 there's got to be something to that. And so even just speaking the language, and I don't mean like verbally, I mean, just you're, you are not, no matter how bad you want to be a native of Africa, you know, and so partnering with Africans and, and the national church there, I think is, is a, makes a whole lot of sense. I remember that actually about being there with you, even though it was years ago, I remember the vision for that school was not so much for you, like your vision for that school, but it was this, this thing that was going that you were partnering with, and this is what you were bringing to the table. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I can't remember the name of the pastor that we were there with. I really wish I could. I have pictures, um, but he was a wonderful Tanzanian and, uh, and it was all about that guy. And we were kind of, yeah. and it, it, we were doing stuff for him and it was a great, it was really great too, because he just, I was just remembering that guy and, and we all didn't realize that a lot of those guys like to hold hands. And I remember mm -hmm. the first time we yep. were in the car and he just kind of reached over and grabbed my hand. And I was like, okay, we're doing this. We're buddies. <laughs> <laughs> I say all in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was great. Well, I, I think that's awesome. And I, I think it leads well into the, maybe the next thing I wanted to ask you is, you know, I think um, you're a missionary now, a veteran um, and other people, I believe that you have a voice that other people are listening to, future missionaries. I know myself. And and so you you have an ability to lead people into the next season, even based on just what you said about missiology. And I know, and we'll get in a little bit to live dead, but when you survey the world of missions, and I, I don't I don't know if you if that means right now for you in 2020 or just 
where we're at and you've been there in the last over a decade and maybe you're looking to the horizon, like what excite, what it, what's exciting you the most and maybe what concerns you like, or what do you see coming for us in the kingdom of God versus what God's doing around the world through missions? I know that's a big question. So why don't you just give us the answer to all of missions and then we'll be good. <laughs> but just from your perspective, you know, like, what do you see? What, what, what do you see happening? What do you, what do you believe in God for? So some of the things um, I'm excited about in Africa is we've we've really been over the last six years making a shift in how we in how we engage in what we do in missions, and we're working um, instead of instead of um, so if you go back 10, 15 years, this would be a shift as well. You would have this tension between an individual call versus a collective calling. So if I'm Jordan, say, man, I'm Jordan and Vanessa, and I'm called to go to Somalia to set up an ice rink, and I get approved, and I raise my money, and I go out there, and I'm going to dive into this ministry. Whether or not, often whether or not it's needed, whether it's not where the church is at, whether or not it makes sense, Mm -hmm. um, this is what God is speaking to me. I've got the green light. I raise my money, which is like one of the major barriers, and so I can go out there. Versus a collective calling, which says, as we look at where we're at together in a country, what is God doing and where do we need to plug in? Where are the places with the church that we're partnering with that God wants us to be investing to help move to that next level? Mm -hmm. And it's not an either or because obviously God speaks to us individually, but I don't think he speaks to us individually without regard to context or the reality of where our church is at and what we're trying to accomplish as a team. Yeah, sure. And so we've gone through this process across the continent of Africa where we've looked at um, every country in sub-Saharan Africa, where they're at with the church. We've talked we've looked at strategic areas we need to engage with, and it's beginning to guide the way that we engage with our with the places that we're, we're working with. So we have a much more refined understanding of what needs to happen in different countries. And I'm excited as we continue to tighten that down and, and do that focus to see the impact that a real focused missiology has on the growth of the church across, uh, across the world. Yeah. Um, and that helps us in a, in a lot of ways. It helps us. We talk about stewardship, effectiveness, and accountability. Are we stewarding our resources towards our vision? Our vision in Africa is a vibrant church within walking distance of every person on the continent. In order to reach there, we're going to have to steward limited resources. We need to make sure we're effective. Sometimes as missionaries, you can think, man, effectiveness is about presence. If, I'm, if I've made it on the field and I'm living there, that's success. We don't think that. So how do we measure success? How do we make sure that we're being effective as missionaries? And then how do we do it together? through good accountability. And I've watched that shape kind of how we're engaging in Africa and give us focus. And i um, very excited to see where God is taking us in that. Yeah, that's wonderful. So what do you think? Uh, give us a picture for those of us who aren't in Africa. What's God doing there? I mean, what's going on in Tanzania, Kenya? I know, and maybe this is where you can kind of get into a little bit of live dead because I know that's an important piece of this. And I know it stems into many countries. So can you give us a, a snapshot? Because also at the end of this, I want people to know where they can get more information and get involved. And so can you give us a, a picture into what's going on in the countries that you're in and your team is in and through live dead? 
Yeah, absolutely. And what we've got is, so when you look at Africa, we've got um, different churches at different stages with different engagements. So back to the strategy part of that. So Live Dead is, is about church planting in teams amongst unreached people groups. So that focuses on countries and people groups where there is limited access and very little gospel penetration. So there's not an indigenous church. There's very few believers. And usually what we do in those kind of contexts is we go in with a team, we set up a platform, which is usually a business platform, because in these contexts, you can't go in as a missionary. You go in and, and set up an English center, a gym, a community center, some sort of business that gives you legitimacy and community. Mm. And then you begin to develop relationships with people. And through those relationships and sharing life together, you share Christ and home churches are planted. And then the long-term goal, of course, is that those home churches will begin to grow and expand, multiply, and eventually we'll get, we'll get a movement going. So when you look at places like um, Sudan, Somalia, Djibouti, these are places where the percentage of Christians would be just negligible. Um, currently, we have lived dead teams. Let's see, one, two, three, four, five. We've got them spread out from East Africa would be where it's this area I oversee has 17 countries going from Sudan to Madagascar. Wow. And so uh, we have teams working with that. Usually, you know, it takes a long time to get going. It's very relationally oriented. You have to learn language, you learn culture, you build relationships. Yeah. And, and we're beginning now to see the church planted. And it's taken about six years wow. to, see, to see now, begin to see fruit coming up in several of our teams. So it's a real slow process. Mm -hmm. The the live dead areas are usually very difficult places to get into. Yeah. Um, people are very resistant to the gospel. They are not easy places to live in. They're not easy people groups to work with. And um, it's, it's, so it's a very difficult work, but it's rewarding in the sense that, that you're day in and day out sharing life and faith with people and yeah. building the church. So what's cool about Live Dead is you don't have to be an ordained pastor. You don't have to have gone to Bible school. If God's speaking to your heart and you feel like um, you want you want to uh, use your giftings and, and life to make a difference in reaching the unreached, there's a lot of space for people to join. That's one of the things I've loved about Live Dead. It's opened up a wide door for a lot of people to come out and work on the field. So That's cool. Um, then we, we have... Um, Urban Tribes. Urban Tribes is focuses on doing urban church planting. So targeting cities where we reach the global culture sh um, shaping demographic of people. So across Africa, we have a lot of churches in countries that are rural in nature. So even if they're in cities, they're not reaching the demographic of people that would be that would speak a global culture. Um, so these would be your educated people, your lawyers, your sports people, your entertainment people, the artists, um, university students often are not reached in our churches. So we've come up with a strategy that says, what if we were to, again, plant churches in urban areas and allow those churches to impact the cities as we reach that demographic of people? And yeah. we have uh, one of those churches in Ethiopia. We've got one in Kenya. We've got one in Dar es Salaam. And um, down the road, dreaming that God's going to raise up someone who would be willing to lead a team into South Sudan to plant, mm -hmm. uh, plant one of those churches there. We don't have a partner church in Sudan right now. 
And so laying the foundation and launching a church, I'm, I'm very excited about that. Yeah. Uh, see where that goes. Juba is a tough place to go, but we're believing that God will speak to the heart of a church planter. So if you know someone, Jordan, send them our way, bud. Yes, sir. Well, I know. And then we've got, then we've got, Nat, we work with more established churches like uh, Uganda, Burundi are, are some of our new entry countries where we're just sending teams in. Um, Tanzania would be a more long-term partnership. They're a strong church. They've got like 11,000 local churches. So yeah. very strong. But um, always praying that the Lord would bring in team members to help with children's ministries, Bible school teaching, pastoring, doing seminars. Yeah, exciting to see as we grow. Well, let's just believe that somebody maybe listened to to this and feels encouraged about that, and so they'll be able to get some information there. Can you tell us a story, uh, maybe something specific about a person, a work of God in in a person's life that happened through Live Dead or happened through your through your ministry? I know we love to hear about those yeah I, there's a so there's a guy on um on, in with one of our teams um and he was is a teacher and um was is a was a muslim and really said you know i'm driven to know truth i'm okay. driven to find out about truth and someone said you ought to start trying reading the bible so he began to to read the bible a, a little bit on his own and and eventually someone connected him with our lived at team leader on, on one of the islands and they begin to go through the word together and talk through it. And this guy just grew super excited about everything that he was reading and literally decided one day without anybody being there. And he said, you know what, this is truth. And because it's truth, I want to follow Jesus. He became yeah. a follower of Jesus. And um, pretty much immediately he decided that he was going to be a guy that's going to share truth. So he began to tell all of his friends um, reach out to them, started a little Bible study. He started sharing a faith with his mom, with his wife. Well, his family, when they heard about it, they weren't very happy. Mm -hmm. And um, they ended up, they threatened him, they beat him, they kicked him out of the house. Eventually, they kidnapped his wife, took his mm -hmm. wife away from, from him. And um, so he's paid a high price. But when you talk to him, he exudes love. And it hasn't stopped him from sharing faith. He decided he needed to go to talk to his dad who lived on the mainland, went into town, shared his faith with, with his dad. His, his dad got saved. Um, then cool story because COVID happened. The school that he was te teaching at shut down. So he said, I'm going to go hang out with my dad. I haven't seen him for a few years. They started a small house church um, through his ministry. <laughs> the other day he was baptized in the Holy Spirit and um, was recently out praying for someone. He said, man, there was, one of my neighbors was demon-possessed, and I went over and started praying for her, and I started praying in a different language, and the demon just ran away from her. And it's super exciting to see how, with, uh, how his life has been transformed and how now that ripple effect is going out. Yeah, that's incredible. Uh, you know, I want to ask this question. I didn't, I didn't say I was going to ask this one, but it just came to my mind. As I... As I have had the privilege of traveling the world and going into a lot of third world areas, you know, it seems that there's a different, hmm, a different level of desperation maybe in, in these places. You know, like even that story, right, that you just told, a guy giving his life to Christ, people kidnapping his wife because of it, him growing in his faith, and then going back to his father 
who then receives Christ, baptized in the Holy Spirit, and is a part of a, a miraculous work of God of freeing a person that he would confirm as demon-possessed. So I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that for the most part in the American church, that's not necessarily how the normal evangelistic process is working out for some of us here. And I could be wrong. But what do you think is the difference between Tanzania and in, and maybe in the United States, not in the sense of economically, I think we could all name a bunch of differences, but why is it potentially that a move of God or what the church is doing there looks so differently than it does here? And I'm sure there's some obvious answers, but I want to maybe get past a couple top layers and maybe look at something deeper about the effect, and maybe this is what I'm getting at, the effect of a person receiving Christ and understanding that. Does it go deeper, quicker, or for a reason, for a person like the your friend that you just shared, versus maybe in a society where Christianity is kind of um, maybe a part of our culture in some ways or another? I'm not sure if that makes sense, but... Yeah, and you might need to differentiate a little bit there because I don't know that yeah, his experience would be... I don't know that his experience would be one that you would that you would say this is what it looks like all the way across the board. Absolutely. Um, Cause there are, we have people who give their hearts to Christ and um, don't make it. Yeah. You know, and, and then we have, we have areas where um, the church is growing. It's strongly Christian, but it's, it's nominal. So there's not a lot of depth to it. Mm. So I, I do wonder though, if, um, When faced with hardship and persevering, how deep does that drive your roots mm. into Christ? Um, in this particular story, especially, um, obviously very immediately felt passionate about it. He's an unusual guy. Um, and when he began to run into opposition, it seemed to drive his roots lower wow. and deeper into the earth. And, um, you know, maybe we don't have as much of that kind of opposition. Sure. I was talking to one of my friends recently who pastors, and he said, um, I wonder if COVID and the response of the average Christian in the pew gives us an indication of what it looked like if persecution actually came to America. Yeah, yeah, I mean, totally. Um, I think in Africa, of course, there's there's a desperation in terms of um, we see miracles, um, in part probably because there's not as many options. So Jesus is often our last option. Mm. And in many parts of Africa, Jesus is not only the first option, he's the only option. Wow. And so that, that breeds a different kind of faith yeah. and a gift, different kind of dependence, um, where, there's a radical need for Jesus mm. and maybe we don't see that yeah. as much in a, in a society where all of many of our needs are met. Yeah. Something to think about, something to pray about, you know, because I think, I don't, and I don't know if you meant it this way, but the, the roots is a, a perfect illustration of, of what plants do in times of crisis. Their only option would be to, if they, if their roots don't go deep enough to find some sort of source, then it, it might be over for them. And 
Um, it's true. I, I read a Barna released their survey a few weeks back just about that. Right now, they, they've said one in three people who would have been actively involved with church have, you know, they're disconnected on some level uh, in our country. And it is true. And it's something to be looked at. And for all that, for all that COVID has, obviously, um, I mean, people are, are getting sick and things, but it has kind of just, it's really ruptured culture and our norms. There -hmm. are some things that because of that have, you know, really been incredible. And, and, and some things that have been kind of revealed, I think, to people even about their faith, you know, and the book of James is cool as long as you're not going through it. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's, it's a lot more real. And yeah. um, I feel like I noticed that in all of, my wonderful time to be able to go and partner with missionaries. But in Tanzania too, I remember being with you and it's cool just to be remembering these stories. I haven't thought about them in a long time where we would eat. I think we were there for two weeks and maybe a little longer than that, two and a half weeks. And I remember eating the same meal every day for lunch uh, at the place we were working. It's the exact same and always an avocado and it was delicious. And, um, but I just remember thinking like on day seven, like, okay, I'm just noticing that I'm noticing that I'm eating the same thing every day yeah. as, as if it's a thing, you know? And, um, and I think sometimes in my own life, just looking at those examples and those little hurdles that I have to jump over that potentially these people don't, there's, there's a level of simplicity um, because I also remember too, when we were driving to one of the church services, it was so hot. And I just remember, I don't remember how long it was, but as we were drove, I could just watch all of these people walking to church in suits. I mean, they looked as fresh as I have ever looked in my whole life. Every, you know, every time they're going into that building, there was just something about that that just stirred me. And I remember when we got out and I could hear that singing prior to when we went in there. And I realized, Mm -hmm. and I think I wrote about this, just that there was something for me to be gained in my spiritual life that they were modeling, Mm -hmm. modeling for me. And that I hadn't, I hadn't yet found, and I hadn't gone, my roots hadn't gone that deep to where in this type of setting I would worship with abandon. It It was a lesson there for me. And it was really, it was really beautiful. And I think it's wonderful to always hear about things that God's doing around the world and other cultures. And, and it's cool to hear what's, what's, what's going on with Live Dead, you know, and, and what God's up to. And, and it is very important, I think, for those potential people who are like, maybe God is calling me to this to really see that, you know, there's some difficulties. Yeah, but, uh, you know, uh, even what you started off with, maybe the misconception is that missionaries are heroes. Well, they're just people answering the call of God on their life, and that looks different for everybody who answers that. I, I think that's that's really awesome. That's really wonderful. Well, if there's anything, I want to let you out, give you out one more opportunity to say anything else you want to about Africa, because I want to ask you just a couple of questions about Scott, and then we'll be done. Okay. Um, you know what? Africa is an amazing place to live, and it's an amazing place to serve. And if God ever puts a calling in your heart, if he's speaking to your heart, yeah. if you sense there might be a moving of the spirit in that direction, I encourage you. There's no greater time than we've ever been in my history in Africa anyways, where I think there's more opportunity and God is doing more things that we can be a part of. 
So embrace the yes. Yeah. Explore the path and see what God, where God might lead you. And it will be amazing. Um, as you say, yes, he'll give you the grace to walk through it. And um, one day, who knows, maybe we'll see in one, whoever's listening in Africa. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, one thing I know about you, Scott, is if you usually, I don't know if there's ever been a time where we run into each other where you're not like, hey, man, how's it going? You want to come to Africa? So yeah, I think uh, I love that. I'm still hoping, you. by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm about to be much closer. And, uh, uh, and uh, I would love that would be an honor. I, I've, I, I have not been able to shake... Um, how special that place is and how special those people are, especially, um, I, I would say. And, um, and that's kind of the idea behind the podcast. That's why I named it Next Explorers, you know, combining those words next and exploring. And you said that, you know, if you want to explore the call of God in your life, it may be there. I would highly recommend partnering your life with really any handsome person, but for sure, Pastor Scott here. Uh, but in that note, I, I want to ask you just a couple of things that I know you're an intelligent guy. I know you're a thinker. And uh, even just offering of how de- deep into missiological philosophy we wanted to go, uh, I appreciate that. And thank you for keeping me in the, the right depth of waters to where I didn't drown there. And I appreciate that. But what I want to know, like, what keeps you curious? You know, I know you're out there giving, but who pours into you? It doesn't have to be necessarily someone we know, but any major influences in your life? And, and what did that role play? And Maybe who's still there and who do you look up to and why? And can you speak yeah. to that? You know, yeah. I mean, I'm, I feel so blessed because I've had so many people pour into me um, and invest in, in my life. Um, my mom and dad obviously have had a major impact. Um, my dad loves people more than anybody I've ever met. I mean, we, he once ran in through a border crossing, was just talking in the next room and someone shouted babu grandpa is that you and he comes out and here it was this guy that he used to meet at a border crossing in a completely different place but my dad has a way of making people feel valued and i love watching my dad do that um, both my mom and dad my mom is an amazing listener she's an amazing hostess and um, i've learned so much from them about life and missions i have people like uh, my brother who helped me see a different perspective on things it's so valuable when you, if you can find people who speak into your life that help you see beyond um, what you normally would see. We all have kind of limits. We all have ways of thinking. And so when you can get someone who challenges your way of thinking and helps you to see things in a different way, um, my, my daughter's uh, um, kind of a family theme here, but have helped me understand so much about um, how do we do better developing female leadership in Africa? How do we open the doors so that um, the incredible gifted female missionaries, lady missionaries that God has brought to the continent, we give them more room to run in. Um, the African pastors that I've worked with have modeled to me what it means to truly sacrifice, to love Jesus, to be passionate about church planting. Um, there's so much I've learned from Africans um, yeah, Greg Beggs, current regional director for Africa. We've worked together since, uh, 1994. Yeah. And he's, he's a big brother to me, but he's continually hones my leadership 
helping me learn and grow. So I, yeah, I mean, there are so many relationships of some pastors in the States here, um, that David Wigington, Rod Loy, who are dear friends, help me understand, um, America, help me understand the church here, help me grow in seeing things from an American pastor's uh, perspective. I, again, I feel, I feel so rich in relationships and with people. Are you and, a, uh, are you a reader? Do you got any favorite authors, people that have made a imprint on your life as you're on this journey besides uh yeah i love to read um you know i and i mix i mix both um christian and contemporary um books that are just kind of bestsellers yeah. out there totally um recently read unoffendable by i think it's by brent brent hansen brent hansen <laughs> man that's a challenging book yeah on yeah. And on how we as Christians um, should be the least offendable people on the earth. Sure. And it was it was a great concept. Um, love leadership stuff. Some of Brene Brown stuff. Rising Strong, great book on learning about self talk. Um, if you want a, a three a three for that helps you understand people, how they think, how they process, how do you have um, difficult conversations, crucial conversations. Um, Conversational Intelligence and Rising Strong, three books to me that are that help me understand how people think and interact. Cool. Um, I'll put yeah. those in the I'll put those in the link below as for people if they want to check them out. Awesome. Well, as you're a kind of, you know, are where where are you at right now? I am in Springfield, Missouri, right. getting ready to go back to Africa next week. Woo! Love it. Uh, in the meantime. As you're about to step back in, you know, are there any personal endeavors or things you're currently currently exploring or kind of doing? Should we expect uh, when I mean, when do we get Scott Hansen's book on African missions? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. You'd be it'd be right here. We could we could you could debut that that it's going to happen right here on this podcast. It, and that way, all of our listeners, which is probably just me, you, and my mom, will be excited about it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there you go. No, it's always always something new. I, I love um, I love innovation. I love strategic thinking. I love people. I love um, God has currently put us in the area director position right now for East Africa. Cool. And I love dreaming about what God's going to do in East Africa and how can we innovate to work with God's plan for what he wants to accomplish. Yeah. That's so good. I, I think your wisdom uh, has definitely been felt for sure. And I want, I want to make sure you hear this, you know, the impact that you've made in my life, even just from the distance we've had and we always run into each other because the AG is a small world, you know, and you'd always push just a little bit on me just uh, of just like, Hey man, what are you doing with your life? You know, even if I was doing some, I thought was good five minutes ago. Now I'm like, I don't know. What am I doing with my life? <laughs> and uh, so, as you know, the journey that my family's on, you know, you play a major part in that. And even just our moments together. I think of the moment uh, we had together as we climbed that mountain after that long day. And we yeah. were all, all of us Americans were like huffing and puffing going up this mountain. And then we were passed by like those four women who had, a stack of stuff <laughs> on their head and they had no shoes on and they were just laughing at us. And I was like, wow. But I remember getting to the top there and I remember we were there with that young guy, Nick, and uh, just having a moment, you know, which as I look back now is a moment in God's presence. 
and I, I, I wouldn't have attached those two, but I've never forgotten kind of the clarity of some of those moments where you're, you're just basically doing for a moment what the Lord has in front of you is, mm. I've just never forgotten that. Um, so lastly, I think if people want to get more involved, if people want to look up Live Dead or, you know, where can they go? Since, tell me the URLs and if you're on social media, tell me those and I'll put them in the notes. But how can people get in contact with what you're doing? Yeah, so with Africa, and this would be the, the best place to start, I want to be a missionary.com. Um, that will take you to a little form that you can fill out and we can get in contact with you and talk to you about opportunities, um, way to get involved. Um, yeah. If people want to keep up with us personally, um, Jordan, you could put our email address up there and people pop us an email. We put them on our newsletter update list and so forth. Cool. Um, but those, those are probably the two main ones. If you're interested in being a missionary, I want to be a missionary.com. If you're interested in hearing more about Hanson's, we can put you on our list. Sweet. Well, great. Well, man, what a privilege. And thank you for sharing. Thanks for all that. Um, uh, I am just really excited um, for what the Lord has for you in the future. I think it's no surprise to me that you're area director. And um, I'm sure God's going to use that tremendously. And uh, as you step back onto a plane, even in 2020, I'm, I, I, we just got to believe that the Lord's setting something up for a revival, you know, in a time where maybe he's drawn us back to our first love, you know, and which is just him. And so let's believe that for Africa, as I know you do. But if you're listening, let's just partner today in prayer with that. And I believe for great things. I, don't don't hang up, Pastor Scott, because I want to ask you a couple things after we say goodbye. But uh, let me just pray for you. Is that okay? And, That'd be uh, awesome. Thank you. And who knows how long this podcast will be up. So maybe you'll get prayers forever. There you go. Uh, but Father, we thank you for Pastor Scott, Karen. We thank you for all they're doing, their family, their teams. We just ask for favor, 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 favor on their life and on their ministry. Bless them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, thank you, sir. All right, Jordan. Thanks, bud. Have a good one. Thanks again to Pastor Scott Hansen. Uh, what a great guy. What a great missionary. What a great man of God. If you want to stay in touch with him, uh, his email is scott.hanson at agmd.org. And I'll put that in the description below. And if you're ready to potentially look into a little bit more of what Live Dead's doing, you can go to iwantobeamissionary.com. This week's podcast is brought to you by Global Passion Ministries. Are you overwhelmed by the needs facing people around the world? Unsure about what you can do to make a difference? With nearly 20 years of missions experience, Global Passion trains and equips people to reach communities internationally and next door. To find out how Global Passion can help you become the difference communities need, visit them at globalpassion.org and follow them on Instagram at, at @globalpassion. Thanks again for joining us on Explorers. Music created by Andrew Arcadi and hosted by me, Jordan Abina. You can find all episodes and more at jordanabina.com. See you next time.